Well, listen, let's, let's go back to look in Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to read verse 724 again because that's kind of the, been the anchor verse as we walk through the Sermon on the Mount. I've never, I've, I've been in, uh, well, I've been ministry for full time for going on 36 years. I've never preached a series through the Sermon on the Mount. I've preached from the Sermon on the Mount, but never, never through the entire Sermon on the Mount. But um, in Matthew 7:24, uh, this key verse says this: "Therefore, everyone, say everyone, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house." On the rock. Amen? Everyone. Everyone. Now, I want to back up to uh, chapter 6, because that's where we are in, in the, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, so Jesus, is, uh, as he's concluding there with that statement, everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice like the wise man built his house upon the rock. Well, at this particular time, he's speaking specifically about the message, though we know that that involves everything that Jesus has ever said but particularly dealing with uh, the Sermon on the Mount. So how do you know it's important then that we really, really study, meditate on, think on, pray over the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus had to say? Because we need to hear those words, and we also not just need to hear them or even memorize them, we need to put them into practice, okay? Otherwise, it's kind of like that piece of exercise equipment in our house that you buy, and you're like, you know what, I've lost any weight, because <laughs> you're not using it, Amen. Anybody ever done that? You have to raise your hands. You know, we have to do that. Yeah, yeah, amen. Yeah, we've done that. Doesn't work that way, does it? We've got to put it into practice. So this is, this is where we're at in the Sermon on the Mount. Pick up at chapter 6 and verse 1. Now let's read that together. I'm reading from the NIV this morning. And it says this, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to the Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, 
so that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your Father who's unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Well, that's, that's the word of the Lord. That's, that's, that's this uh, initial portion of the Sermon on the Mount. And so what do we, what do we take from that? What do we take from that? I want to speak to you this morning about the audience of one. The audience of one. And, and that will become clearer as we move along in the message. But how many of you understand as Christians that, uh, that we're citizens of a kingdom that's not of this world? <laughs> right? We're ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We're Christ's ambassadors. And, uh, you know, just as an American an ambassador, when he or she goes to another country, they present and represent the United States and our president, our leadership, who we are, right? And so it is with us, as we are citizens of the kingdom of God, we present and represent the kingdom of heaven. We represent the kingdom of God and the Lord himself. We're representative of him. That's a high task, a great responsibility and privilege. Amen? So Jesus here, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's teaching the ways of the kingdom. And he's showing us how to build our house, our lives, so to speak, uh, in a way that no matter what may come, no matter what trials, no matter what storms of life may come, that even though they, they come and go, we'll still be standing when it's all said and done. And how do you know that when you read through that story, the end of the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, that uh, the storms come to everybody. It comes to the righteous and the unrighteous alike. Just because we're serving the Lord or trying to please God doesn't mean that we are um, prevented from going through any storms. Somebody say amen, right? We all go through it, but God helps us to stand, and God wants you to stand. And so he's talking about the kingdom ways. And how do you understand that the ways of God are drastically different than the ways of the world? The culture of the kingdom is drastically different than from the culture of this world, right? We talked a little bit about that last week. And, um, you know, the, the world is all about competition, but the kingdom's about cooperation. The world is all about winning, but how do you know that the kingdom culture puts a lot of emphasis on losing? He that loses his life for my sake will find it. Our culture says be strong, but kingdom culture says when I'm weak, then I am strong. Our culture says we got to be first, but kingdom culture says... The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. It's a lot different, isn't it? God says, your ways are not my ways, right? My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts higher than your thoughts. God, how many of you understand through the years, God has thought just a little bit different than what you do and what I do. We're trying to learn that, right? Trying to learn his culture, how he deals with things, and, um, and walk, and that's part of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. So Jesus is teaching us the ways of the kingdom. And as he begins this this portion, this section of the Sermon on the Mount, it begins with this. Be careful. Say that. Be careful. Be careful. Or you might say take heed. Some versions say take heed or, or whatever, something along those lines, right? Be careful. Take heed. Be careful. Anybody ever told anybody to be careful? Anybody ever said that this morning? Be careful. Huh? Right? Be careful. When, when do you say that? When there's, when there's a great concern, when there's a, the potential of danger or something, you know, something's happening and there's a risk, there's a real risk of hurt or harm or injury, right? 
maybe maybe group of guys are going out hunting and and they got their guns with them and they're going out and, and mama says as they walk out y'all be careful and, you know that's good words right <laughs> you're traveling down the road and and uh, maybe there's storm stormy weather coming through and you're telling your kids listen be careful or you have that cold weather like we had a month or so ago and you know 22 below wind chill <clears throat> glad that's over kids want to get out on these ponds and and, and want to, you know, want to ice skate, want to play on the ponds that are frozen over. And what do you say? Be careful. <laughs> right? Why? Because you're concerned about him. You don't want him to get hurt. Jesus is saying, be careful. Be careful. Be careful about what? Be careful about what? Be careful about doing your acts of righteousness what what really I mean I, I guess I tell people be careful about a lot of things I, I'll be honest with you I've never told anybody and I've never told our sons growing up never told said Pastor Chase or or Drew never said now son you be careful about how you do your acts of righteousness anybody ever said that to anybody come on y'all with me anybody but that's what Jesus said of all the things be careful be careful about how you do your acts of righteousness. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. All right? Um, why? He says, do not do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. That's where we're going to go today. Don't do even good things before men to be seen by them. Now, whatever we do is, is usually, though we'll talk about a lot about private things, but, but most of what we do is, is going to be seen in some capacity. But we're not doing it with the motive to be seen by men. Not if we're wise, right? Not if we're truly wanting to honor the Lord. Um, you know, somebody said the greatest hypocrisy is to do the right things for the wrong reasons. To do the right things or to do good things even with the wrong motives. Lord, help us with that, right? So be careful. Be careful with your acts of righteousness. And he talks about, we just read about these, three acts of righteousness. All right? Um, it talks about righteousness when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. And so let's, let's just talk about each of those for just a moment, and then we'll tie this together. All right? He says, first of all, be, be careful about your acts of righteousness. He says, when you give. How do you know God wants us to be givers, right? He says, when you give, not if you give. But when you give, yeah? Remember, God's a giving God, and he's called us to be a giving people. We talked about this not too long ago, but, right, God blesses us so that we can be a blessing, right? Pours out upon us. Has not, has not God blessed us here in America? And, uh, and, Lord, help us to use those blessings, not for our own desires, not just to pamper our own lives, to make our lives better, but to use those blessings to really help people around us and the needs and help advance the kingdom of God. Amen? James tells us this, that pure and lasting religion in the sight of God involves caring for orphans and widows in their troubles. That's what pure, undefiled religion involves and entails. That's a piece of it. Amen? So he says here, he says, so when you give to the needy, when you give to the needy, don't announce it. <laughs> it was interesting to hear it says, <coughs> don't announce it with trumpets. Would you hand me that water, please, James? Thank you. 
He said, when you, when, you, when you give to the needy, don't announce it. Don't announce it with trumpets. It was interesting in that day how that they did that. I mean, I, I've just never seen that. It's not a part of our culture. But it wasn't that day. And the religious leaders would go down to the, to the busy parts of the town, the busy parts of the street. And when they were wanting to, to give money for the needy, they'd sound a trumpet. And we don't know what that's like. So let me, let me just say, how many of you lived in a neighborhood where the ice cream truck came by? And then, what, they playing that, this is that silly, goofy music, right? Annoying. <laughs> but what they do, I mean, all of a sudden you'd hear the distance. We, and then the kids, man, they'd hear it as soon as it came on, man, the ice cream truck's coming. And all that noise going, and the kids come running, they gather around that truck, and they know what it's there, they know what's happening. They gather around there, get some ice cream. Well, that's what some of the religious people were doing in their day, trying to bless the needy. They were sounding the trumpets. They were playing the music so that everybody knew what they were doing. And all the crowd gathered around, and all they, they pulled out their billfold, and they're like, you know, they're waving it around. Oh, here, come, let, let me help you. Let me, let me help you. And then everybody's looking. The whole crowd's looking, right? Jesus said you do that, you've got your reward. You have your reward. Be careful about how you do your acts of righteousness because when you do that, you're doing that to be honored by men. It's not because you care about the need of the person that you're giving the, the support to, the help to. It's because you want to be seen. Because you want to make a name for yourself. Now, I know that doesn't happen in churches today, but years ago... It happened, right? One minister talking about it, he said, you know, one morning he had some guy with means that come to him and, and before the service and, and, and handed to the pastor, before the service, hands this envelope with this, you know, significant offering in it. And, and uh, then he goes and sits down. And, and um, you know, after service, somebody else comes to him and says, you know, um, so-and-so is kind of, I think his feelings kind of hurt, you know. Did he, did he give a pretty good to offering today he said, well yeah he gave an offering today he said you know you didn't say anything about it he said why should I say anything about it he said you know something he knew he said I had a there was a mailman in our church that that, um, that gave an incredible offering I understand this morning and he didn't tell anybody about it he just put an offering and he just put it there and you know what he, he's not a man of means and and he gave more of an offering that that other man did why are you giving why are we giving why are we doing what we're doing? Is it to be seen by men? Is it to try to be somebody? To try to be recognized? Or are we doing it because we, we really care about people, we care about the needs, and we want God to be glorified? Now listen, I want, I want to be careful here. When we're talking about giving, it says, it says when you give, do it, do it in secret. Do it in private. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. And there were probably boxes going up in the synagogue when they walked through the door of the synagogue, maybe on the right side oftentimes, that there were boxes there that would help those that were poor and needy, and people could go in and they could give it there. You know what? You walk in and you just, without even thinking, you just put it in there and just, you just keep on going. You only let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. You just do it, right? Because you just want to help. And listen, it doesn't mean that people won't see us. It says, do your good deeds before men. Sometimes people see it, but you're not doing it to be seen. Just like when you read in the book of Acts, how many of you know that the church of, of Acts, the, the God's church is a giving church? 
They were generous and nobody had need because they'd sell their own possessions so that people would have everything that was needed. And Barnabas was one of those guys. And Barnabas sold property and he gave it to the disciples, laid it before their feet. And people saw it. But Barnabas didn't do it to be seen. He didn't do it to draw attention to to himself. Which was vastly different than Ananias and Sapphira who sold property, and, and they said, Did you, is this all the money? They said, yeah. <laughs> and when they only gave 50%, they said, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? God struck them. Read it. What's our motive? There's times that we take offerings as a church, and we try to do this. And let me just say, let me say this. I think we need to be careful about social media. And folks, there's a lot of things we do as a church that we just don't parade it around on Facebook. I don't even tell you about. There's a lot of giving that goes on. It just goes on behind the scenes. I don't think everything out there is supposed to be a photo op that we can parade on Facebook. God sees what we're doing. Amen? I don't think everything, every time we do anything, we need to make some giant check and put it up there and get a photo and put it on Facebook and put it in the paper. And this is what we're doing. There might be occasional appropriate times where something like that might be done. I'm not saying that. But as a whole, folks, what's the reason? What's the purpose for why we do what we do? Why we're giving? You see where God's going here? He says, your father who sees what's done in secret will, will reward you. And so that's where, we're, that's where we're going. So when you give, your acts, of, your, your acts of righteousness, when you give. And also he says, he goes on, he says, when you pray, when you pray. Not if you pray. Look at your neighbor and say, when you pray. <laughs> when you pray. It's interesting, this, <clears throat> in this passage, he'll, he'll give us, he'll talk us, this is a whole sermon in itself. He talks about the motive of prayer, the method of prayer, and the model of prayer. Now, that's a message right there, amen? It says, so the motive of prayer, and, and how do, you, do we realize what an unbelievable privilege that prayer is? You and I can talk with God. We're able to come into his presence and just talk one-on-one with the Lord any time for as long as you and I need to. We can come in and talk with, with God. And I want to be careful. I was writing the notes and I thought, talk to God. How I many know we don't just talk to God? We talk with God. Meaning it's a two-way conversation. We're talking with Him. There's things that we share with Him and there's things that God shares with us. How many of you are glad for that? That God speaks back. We hear from the Lord. My sheep know my voice, right? And so we, we talk with God. What a privilege. And so let's, he says, do not be like the hypocrites who love to pray in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Can you believe that this sacred act, that it's so intimate, something as intimate and holy and sacred as prayer can become sinful? If we use prayer to somehow draw attention to ourselves? Right? So he talks about the method of prayer. So when you, when you pray... He says, we, we, we pray in private. In other words, when you pray, he says, go into your closet and shut the door. Closet means any, any private place, in the room, in a place 
where nobody's there. You're just alone with God, right? You're shutting yourself in with God. That could be your car. It could be your truck, whatever, all right? Go into place and you're just meeting with God. And you're talking with the Lord. You're not praying to be seen by people. You're praying because there's a need and you just want to talk with God and communicate with God and intercede about things that are going on in the world, right? Does that mean there's no place for public prayer? No. The church prayed all the time. I like what somebody said. He just said, uh, it might have been Warren Wiersbe. He said, you know, the only people that ought to pray in public should be the people who faithfully pray in private. <laughs> Amen. And you could tell when people really pray in private. And uh, so thank God for public prayer. We as a church pray publicly and openly, and we ask God, we're inviting God. But God help us if the only time we're praying is when we're praying publicly. And how many know all of us ought to be having a personal, private prayer life where we get into the closet, we shut ourselves in, we talk with God, not so that somebody can see us. We're not just going down the street corner. And I know that's a, that would be a little bit weird today, maybe in a sense, if you would do that. But this, this was a... The Jewish people were very religious. And all of a sudden, how they prayed, their motive for prayer was sometimes distorted. Right? So let it be in private. And he also says this. He said, let it be to the point. He didn't say it that way. He says, don't keep on babbling. <laughs> huh? Don't keep on babbling. Don't just keep on going. Just praying, 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 praying. Right? Just babbling. What does it, what does it mean? It, get to the point. Does, does that mean God doesn't like long prayers? Does that mean that God prefers short prayers? No, it's, it's not about the length of the prayer. It's about the intention of the prayer and the sincerity of the prayer that we're praying from our heart. Somebody said, you know what, there's, there's, there's one prayer that every one of us automatically go to. And once we get past that, we can really begin to pray. You'll find yourself in a habit of prayer, you know. You just you can you don't even think about it. You just you you just cough it out. Maybe it's over your meal, right? You just cough it. When you get past all that stuff, then we can really begin to pray. Now listen, let me say if you're praying over a meal, prayer, the, the mealtime is no place for your devotions. That's a good place for an amen. Amen, right? Amen. Just pray over the food and the fellowship and let's eat. Amen. <laughs> But pray, get to, get to the point, don't keep on babbling. What is, it, what is it that's on your heart? What is it that you're wanting to really communicate with God? Some, something you're interceding for, just get to the point and pray for it and ask God to speak to you. That it's not just meaningless conversation, meaningless babbling. And then he gives us the famous model of prayer. This is how you pray, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You notice in that prayer, the things of God are first. His name, his kingdom, his will. And that's where our first concern, we're towards God. Not towards ourselves, toward God. And then we pray and we address God concerning our needs. Basic needs, daily bread. Right? Daily forgiveness and daily guidance. We need those things and we keep them. And that's in line with what Jesus says um, later in this, in, this, in this sermon. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. So we see the, the model of prayer. So when you pray, look at your neighbor again and say, when you pray, don't do it to be seen. 
In Pentecostal circles, like what we are, sometimes people, it's not just about prayer, but it's about when the gifts are flowing. Somebody, you know, they're going to, somebody gives a message in tongues to be seen. Folks, I'm just being real. This, sometimes it happens. I'm not here to right to be, to be seen, and somebody somebody trumps that with a with a prophecy, right? I can beat that, <laughs> and all becomes selfish. Want to appear to be more holy, more righteous than somebody else? Oh God, help us, folks! I, I'm just I'm just is this not what Jesus wrote about? Be careful, he says, when you pray. Why did he say that? Unless. There's a real problem and temptation, a real danger that we can begin to do even righteous things with the wrong motivation. It happens. Then he says, when you fast. When you fast. <laughs> How many of you like me? You like feasting more than fasting. And I'll be glad feasting, there's more feasting in the Bible than there is fasting. So, amen, we ought to feast a little more. Praise God. But fasting is still there. So when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast, right? Somebody said fasting is prayer without words. So when you fast, and when we fast, we abstain from eating food, maybe food and even water sometimes. We do so for spiritual reasons. And so when you do that, how many of you have fasted before? All right, you fasted. When you, when you do that, you don't do it and you just put on this horrible look, you know. <laughs> Dress all bad, the hair's undone. <laughs> you, know, you know, gloom, despair, agony on me, you know. Just that kind of attitude. We don't do that. God said, don't do that. You put that on so that people ask you, what's wrong? I'm just fasting. God just put a fast on me in. I just gotta I just gotta go without eating. And oh brother, God bless you. <laughs> you got your reward. Right? Don't do that to be seen. He says, don't make it obvious. Wash your face. That day put oil on your head. I don't know what that would be equivalent to today. I don't know. Brill cream was old. I guess it's mousse or something. I don't know what do you use today. I don't Moose is probably old, right? Does anybody use mousse anymore? Gel? What is it? Gel? How do you know, James Jones? <laughs> you got hair, but it's so short, you don't need no gel for that. Amen. <laughs> don't draw attention to yourself. Your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do you see in all these, it's... it's it's, it's not only the act, it's the motive of the act. Be careful. Pay attention to your true motive. Oh, God, guard our hearts. Lori and I went and saw the film, as many as you have, um, The Jesus Revolution. Going back to something that happened, events that happened in the 70s. And in that one of the guys, the persons that God was really using, very humble, really glorifying the Lord, glorifying Jesus. But man, as things took off and the crowds began to grow and, and the word gets out and, and everybody's drawing attention, you could see 
a changing and, and there was a part of him that began to be a bit selfish. Began to be about me instead of about him. And that's what we've got to guard, folks, that we always keep our hearts right before the Lord. Yeah? So let me, let me I mentioned these things, now let me tie it, tie it together, okay? Be careful to live for the audience of one. Did you notice as we read through the scriptures, I talked about it this morning, did you notice that in all three areas, giving, prayer, fasting, Jesus says, your father who sees. Your father who sees. And that's the key. We do what we do as unto the Lord because we want to honor him and his name. Scripture says in him, in God, we live and move and have our being. I mean, realize that God, it's he who created us. It's he who loves us. It's he who called us. It's he who affirms us. And he's the one that we're going to answer to one day. It's him that we're going to be accountable to. And who do we want to hear the words, well done? From whom do we want to hear those words? More than anybody else, from the Lord. <laughs> Amen? Because one of these, I'm not, there is a level of accountability that we have to each other, but ultimately, our ultimate accountability is to the Lord. One of these days, I'm not going to bow my knee and confess before you. I'm going to confess before God. One day, I'm going to answer, not before you, I'm going to answer before Him. Amen? And I want to hear those words, well done. And yet, and so He's the one, He's the focus, He's the audience. And yet, how often we seek to find the approval and applause from someone else. Why is it that people would want to even use giving, fasting, prayer to be seen? Why? Why do you want to be seen? Why? There's just something there. There's some unmet need, some desire for affirmation, to feel loved, to feel apart, to feel valued. Right? So what did Jesus warn about? Doing your acts of righteousness, what? Don't do them to be seen by men, to be honored by men, to be acknowledged by men. We need to learn to become dead to the applause and criticism of men. Somebody said, sadly, we're a world looking for likes, yet longing for love. We're looking for love, however, in all the wrong places. I'm glad that when we become children of God... God becomes our focus. He becomes our significant other. Amen? The one who really matters. How many of you say amen to that, right? It's him. He's the primary one we please. And if we're pleasing God, everything else is going to be okay. If I'm pleasing God, And you got a problem with me. It's you that has the problem, not me. <laughs> Come on, amen. If I'm pleasing God and you got a problem with me, the problem's with you, not with me. If you're pleasing God and I got a problem with you, I've got the problem, not you. Y'all re realize that. How many know when you please God, everything else is just going to fall into place? How many realize that, right? 
So when, when God becomes the audience, when he becomes our, our audience, who we want to please, we're going to be free from everything else. And how many know the only thing that matters, you all can, you all can be, oh, man, pastor, what a great word. That was awesome. Oh, man, I love those words of wisdom. Oh, pastor, I like how you said that. Oh, I like the way you did it. Oh, that was so funny. That was so good. Oh, man, you, and you just praise me, applause me, whatever. How many you know it means nothing unless God is saying, pastor, well done. You spoke from my heart. You spoke my words with my heart, with my motive. Unless he puts the stamp of approval on this message, it means nothing. And it's that way with everything you and I do. But how often we gauge our success, so to speak, by the applauses or criticisms of the people around us. I'm just being real, folks. Come on. But when God becomes our real audience, we're free from the pressure of performance we're free from trying to prove ourselves. We're free from trying to fit in. We're free from trying to please everyone. We're free from others' rejection or disappointment. There's no more if I do this or if I don't do that, what will they think? Oh, I'm afraid if I don't go along with them, they're going to reject me. Forget about it. There's one person. There's one person to please, and that's him. That's him. And how many you know when we please God, God always leads us to do things that are right and they're good and that are holy and they're considerate of other people. So if I'm honoring God and you're honoring God, our life is going to be a blessing to others. Though, don't be surprised if somebody doesn't have an issue with you. It'll happen. Right? So how many of you want to get out of that rat race that the world's in and just set out to please God? The only affirmation and validation that we need is from the Lord. Right? Oh, would you, would you come? Wrap it up. You know, I look at that and I think Jesus, Jesus wasn't even a people pleaser. <laughs> Did you realize that? He really wasn't. Um, in fact, he says this, uh, John 5, 44, How can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? He said earlier, I do not accept the praise from men. He's seeking the praise of God. Jesus was always trying to please the Father. I mean, you realize he seldom did what people expected and often acted in ways that they didn't want or didn't understand. Even Mary and Martha, when Lazarus was in trouble, hey, Lazarus, he's, he's in trouble. He's sick, your friend Lazarus, he's in trouble, he's about to die. And they expected him to just drop everything and go running. But he didn't do it. A lot of times... They had expectations of him. <laughs> someone to kill him. Someone to make him king. He certainly disappointed the devil. Aren't you glad for that? Devil wanted to say, oh, yeah, yeah. all these people, see, see Jesus, all these people are really questioning who you are, your son of God. Now, if you just do these few tricks, they'll know for sure who you are. Jesus said, you know what, I'm not here. I'm not here to do that. 
I'm here to take on the cross. I'm not here to please men. I'm here to save man. Amen? And he's free from that. And that's why you never see Jesus running anywhere. I think that's one of the reasons. You ever notice that? He was always on time, but you never see him running anywhere. He was never late. You ever see, like, I mean, carrying the weight of the world, but it seemed like he was never shaken. Do you see how simpler life will be if we'll just live for the audience of one? He just wanted to please the Father. And if we'll get out of this thing, even to try to please parents and unfair things, or trying to please a friend who's being unreasonable, trying to meet some significant other's expectation of you, Listen, get before the Lord. Make him your focus. And ask him, God, what kind of person do you want me to be? God, what kind of spouse, what kind of, what kind of husband do you want me to be? What kind of wife do you want me to be? What kind of employer do you want me to be? What kind of employee? What, what kind of neighbor, God, are you asking me to be? And you see, if we can answer those and things like that, and we look at it with God, how do we know if we just are that kind of person that God intends, everything else is just fine. It's a lot simpler when we're just trying to please the audience of one. How you glad you don't have to please everybody in this room? <laughs> I'd be glad you don't have to please your spouse all the time. <laughs> but when you're the kind of spouse God wants you to be, you'll please them more than what you realize. So don't do even your righteous acts. Be careful. Be careful with them. Don't do them to be seen by men. Do them before the Father who sees all. And he's going to be the one who rewards you.